0: Hello, and welcome to season two of the podcast, Human Design with Livy. Each week, I sit down with incredible guests who candidly share about their journeys of growing their personal brands online. We dive into their own brand story, their expertise and their human design. I've honestly learned so much from each guest, and I can't wait for everyone to enjoy this series too. Here's a snippet of what's to come. Success has nothing to do with how much money you're bringing in, and it has everything to do with the quality and depth of connections that you're making. And that actually, when you start to measure success by that parameter, every single day gets to be successful. And then naturally, the money and the profit and the impact will come in. And I think one of the best ways to make your offer irresistible is to speak to enough people that have the same problem, that you learn from hearing the same complaints and desires. Okay, that's what I have to create. A very, very important part of my brand is actually ease, which felt and feels still like a real challenge because it's having to undo this kind of impulse to keep on doing, not working like an animal, but just actually really taking the time to be where I'm at. You can be expanded by somebody and not have to copy paste. There are strategies and structures, but like it, really has to come from within and it's so unique when it does hello and welcome to the first episode of season two of human design with livy in this episode i speak with Hinali, also known as sacred weaver on instagram she is a four six emotional manifester a money healing and business coach for women of color entrepreneurs In the episode, we talk about Hinali's defining moments in becoming a successful money and business coach, how she felt when she discovered that she was a manifester, the power of community and storytelling in growing her personal brand, which were dominant themes of the conversation, knowing Hinali is a fourth line in human design, and she has the 1156 channel of curiosity. We dive into the wounded money archetypes, the importance of nervous system healing in receiving and holding money, and healing ancestral wounds. I think this episode is going to be a firm favourite of the season and I'd love to hear what you think. Enjoy listening. Welcome to the podcast. So good to have you, Nali. I'm so pleased we've got a chance to speak. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners, um, who you are, what your human design is and um, what you do? Yeah, amazing. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. So I am Hinali, also known as Sacred Weaver Online, and I am an Emotional 4-6 Manifestor. And um, I am a money healing and business coach for women of color entrepreneurs specifically. Um, And My work really follows two pathways. I have one pathway that's really about sacred receptivity and money healing and this is really guiding women of colour to orient away from like scarcity mindset thinking and to kind of unlearn patterns of like internalised toxic capitalism and colonialism and to move closer and closer towards the wealth philosophies that are more aligned with like Indigenous peoples and kind of our ancient lineages, right, and that are really kind of benefiting our people, our planet, our bodies. So that's really one pathway. And then the other one is legacy articulation. So this is where I really guide my clients through a process of refining their branding, their offerings, their messaging, so that they can really just shine as an authentic recognizable voice in their industries. So that's the work I do. Oh my gosh, amazing. I think so much to unpack. <laughs> so um, incredible, incredible. So do you want to just share with us how it all started and some, yeah, perhaps three three key moments or defining moments from where you were to where you are now? Yeah, yeah I think this is such a great question and Honestly, Libby, that the first moment that, that really comes to mind is um, finding out my human design, to be honest. And like, so I'll just tell the story of this because it's great. Um, so I was listening to a podcast. I think it was with Kagi and you were on there and you were speaking about human design. And it was the first time I'd heard about human design. Um and I heard you go through all the different energy types. And I thought, I really need to go online and look at what mine is. And it was a bit like that, that moment, you know, in like Harry Potter, where he wears the sorting hat and he's like, not Slytherin, And I was like, not manifesto, not manifester." <laughs> and I click the button, you know, to bring up my design. And lo and behold, it says manifester right? I was in such a state of denial around it. I just couldn't. I checked my birthday a million times you know I just I was so like just shocked and almost disgusted and I didn't even understand human design at that point but I saw that I was a manifester and I saw that my gates were the gates of doubt and confusion and at that point I just thought I am screwed um but but for me, it, it did turn out to be a defining moment because that was the point where I reached out to you and we started to work together um and it kind of led me on this journey of being like if i want to help people if i want to serve people i need to come to a place of awareness and acceptance of myself and actually i think for a lot of manifestors this is a really defining moment in our journeys because like at least with the manifestors that i've i've met there does tend to be this kind of weird resistance to our own energy and our own innate impact and the kind of, um, the sort of mission and legacy that we carry within us as manifestors, and not to mention the kind of history that we have with like manifestor energy, right? So there's a lot to contend with there. Um, But that really led me on a journey of like discovering human design, astrology, gene keys. And yeah, that, that really shaped my sense of who I am and how I want to kind of serve in the world. So that was definitely, the first defining moment. Amazing. So, with that, do you think you now feel more empowered knowing and living as a manifesto? Because I think initially, yeah, some of the description, you know, you're being told that you have a repelling aura. It's not, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not a manifesto, but it's, it can't be nice to hear, really, that you're you know, but I think when you when you understand more about the way that the manifesto like interacts and shares energy, exchanges energy. Um and actually some of the manifestors I know, uh, like some of the warmest people that I know, um, you know, especially Ford Lines. Um and and actually um it's really just about you know how you use your your strategy to diffuse, yeah any resistance? 100% yeah and I I think the thing that I really had to lean into was the fact that my raw voice and my raw energy was enough for so long as a manifester you know like children like as children when you're a manifester you kind of feel this sense of resistance from the world to you and there is a feeling of like, I need to mold myself into something that is more palatable and that is a bit more kind of um, refined or polished in a way. And so it really took a lot of unlearning to just be like, you know what, my raw voice is enough and it is enough for me to just want to like inspire and initiate people in the world. And um, I don't need to lead the whole process. I get to just own that part of it. And that's enough. Amazing. So. Tell us like from there from um after working together what 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 happened next? What's the story? yeah, well, so I guess this kind of leads on to the the second defining point, which is when I really started to own who it was that I truly wanted to serve and you know for a long time I'd been sort of coaching and um working as a healer with every everyone and anyone, right and that was great. That was a great part of my journey um but the point came where I realized that my heart really did wanna serve other women of color. And it's funny because I now work with a lot of women of color who are moving through this exact process where they're suddenly needing to state their boundaries and their desires around who it is that they they want to serve. And that is actually an incredibly challenging thing, Um, especially like as women, I think for us to do, to kind of set those boundaries and say, this is who I am. And some people might think I'm being exclusionary. Some people may have projections about this, but this is who I really need to connect with and serve. And so I need to just make this decision and like state it out into the world, you know, and, and inform people that this is really truly who I am here to serve. And this is what my heart is saying. Um, so that was definitely a massive defining point for me. And the, more, the clearer I got about the hearts and souls of the people I wanted to serve, the more my messaging just kind of started to really take off, you know, and the more I started to get inquiries, and the clearer my offerings became, and the more and more refined and crystallized the business and the brand became. So that was 100%. a a massive defining moment for me amazing i love that i can you talk us through how you were feeling and yeah a little bit more about the process um of moving from trying to kind of serve everyone to narrowing it down to um women of color entrepreneurs because i think um it's very common in the coaching industry to want to help especially healers you know and people who are you know like spiritual practitioners let's say to want to help everyone and to to not discriminate or to not um yeah I find that journey of becoming more refined and and getting more clear can sometimes be very can be difficult and can bring up a lot of 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 stuff when when you try to do that yet also we see the benefit of doing it and what can happen you know just as you're an example for when you do get clearer um and yeah a little bit more boundaried I like I love the use of that word there um and yeah let, let's just explore that a little bit because I think it's it's an important piece of um defining your message and and being able to serve people well you know um and help them get the results that they desire so yeah, let's let's talk about that. And from, yeah, I'd love to hear from your perspective, what sort of journey you went on there. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, I think it's, a lot of coaches do talk about this, don't they? And they say, oh, you know, get clear on your ideal client, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the thing that I really found was that I needed to look at who it was that I was speaking to emotionally and psychologically. And to really understand what situations I wanted to be speaking to and all of that had to come from a place of my own lived experience. It it had to come from a place of like I've been there and I know what that feels like. And I I have those imprints living in my body and I I'm able to guide from a place of kind of um, lived experience. Right. In a sense. Um, and, you know, I think that is what makes it so challenging sometimes, Libby. Um, And it's definitely something I see with a lot of women of colour in particular, especially women of colour who live in the diaspora. So who are living in, say, the UK or in America or countries that their ancestors weren't originally from, is that there's so much reckoning to do in terms of our own emotional and psychological um, experiences. And and really getting to this place of like, okay, I'm here. And now I'm needing to kind of go through this, like like exercise almost of looking at all, like all the versions of me that came before this, because all of those versions are going to be the people that I need to speak to, right? And so actually there was so much like excavating to do in terms of my own emotional and psychological landscape Because that was what I needed to be speaking to. And it was so much less about, like, oh, you know, I'm speaking to Jenny who works in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was a lot lot less about that and more about, like, okay, but where are they at in life right now? And like, what is their experience of life right now? And what are the specific challenges that they are coming up against over and over again? Where are their frustrations? where are their dreams where are their aspirations and that took a huge amount of kind of inner digging right and necessarily that's going to bring up a lot of stickiness a lot of shadows a lot of stuff that you need to move through for yourself yeah and um what did what was your sort of process did you kind of almost go back and create a timeline or um give us an insight on on that yeah well so for me a really powerful tool yeah. has been storytelling and so so i started creating content that was really just about me sharing my story and like sharing almost snapshots of different Lovely. versions of me um sharing snapshots of my ancestral history yeah. of my mum and that was the stuff that i mean i can honestly say like that those pieces of content are the ones that bring me in inquiries Mm. consistently you know I consistently have women of color just coming out of the blue like reading a story about my mom and her fear of poverty and then messaging me to to want to work together and it's the it's the power Mm. of storytelling that that really allowed me to begin to kind of like unfold some of this stuff And in a way that was gonna be touching the hearts of like other people, without me necessarily needing to like sterilize it or turn it into this like, you know, um, like three-step process (laughs) or something. Like it was so much more organic Um, and it needed to be, in order for me to get to a place where I could begin to understand like, okay, how do I actually now begin to like implement some strategy and some, some structure into this? Yes, amazing. Because you have that channel of storytelling in your in your design, right? so yeah, that's an in, interesting that's true. I didn't realize that until just now, but yeah, that makes the most sense, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that kind of wondering sort of curiosity and um yeah, like lived experiences sharing um and helping us see you know lessons of the past and what's worked and what's not worked, and you know what you've been through and yeah I remember even when we were working together previously how you brought your um the situations that you were finding yourself in like I think you were living with your parents at the time still right yeah and that completely shifted and we, we were working through I remember yeah all sorts of I was always amazed that yeah what you brought and how you were able to kind of um yeah alchemize what you were sort of working through and um just yeah it feels like your life shifted so so much since then (laughs) um yeah yeah and I feel like it's so much that isn't it Libby like we have we dealt with a certain kind of set of cards and it's what we make we what we make of it what we do with those cards how we then choose to share that with the world and how we choose to look at it through the lens of like inspiration right and and that is how we build legacy. That is how we actually come to a place of of creating a business that inspires others. Yes, amazing, great. So we, you got to the point where you were refining your messaging, your, you know, um, using storytelling, and you, uh, yeah, obviously did some work on um, strategy, I guess, for for the brand. Um, and so yeah, take us to the to the next sort of moment and. Where you are now. Yes. And you know, I think the the next moment is really more of like an evolution. And I guess everything in our business and branding is an evolution. But this one is really like realizing that your business is a separate entity. And that actually, every time you make a piece of content, every time you bring a new offering in, every time you do anything to do with your business, you're actually like creating more of a relationship with your business right like you're forging a relationship with that business and you're starting to have more conversations with it and I think um coming to this realization that my business may actually desire something very different to what my original impulse would have been was like a really important thing to come to and like as a manifesto like this is this is something I really like believe is so important for manifestors to um, reflect upon is that, you know, for a long time, like in our childhood and growing up, we've experienced this feeling of like isolation, right? Like with our auras, we feel a we bit cut off from the world a bit, kind of very used to our aloneness and solitude. And what I came to realize with my business was that it wanted to be in community. And it really wanted to be connecting to people. It wanted to be this almost central hub of like creating conversations and community and connections. And so I really needed to like, just be like, you know what, as much as it's part of my impulse and like instinct to like withdraw and to kind of step away and like be behind this wall, my business wants something very different from me, actually. And so I need to like lean into that and start to do those things that, feel that bring up some resistance for me but it's what my business needs to thrive as the garden that it is right and um and so that that kind of next defining point was really realizing and orienting to this idea that success has nothing to do with how much money you're bringing in and it has everything to do with the quality and depth of connections that you're making and that actually when you start to measure success by that parameter every single day gets to be successful right and and then naturally the money and the profit and the impact will come in you know but when actually I started to orient that idea that connection is my north star everything really really shifted. Amazing and how did you foster that is it something that you feel pain naturally or you yeah you said kind of I guess a bit of resistance in terms of what you wanted versus the business yeah well I think it really took a slight perspective shift in terms of um, you know understanding that manifestors aren't just here to initiate ideas and projects they're also here to initiate conversations and community right and that was a massive shift for me to understand and realize like oh I'm here to start conversations you know and so that was part of what I started to do, I started to reach out to people, I started to kind of like put my energy into other people's worlds, Um, and then the other part of it was really beginning to understand content creation as a way of connecting with other people, so I started to create content that was inspired by my conversations, by what I was hearing in the world, and then I would put that back onto Instagram, and I would then tag and connect it with the people who had originally inspired it right and so it started to create this beautiful feedback loop of like oh you know now I can actually use this piece of content to um, connect with somebody online who then will take that and maybe share it with their community or will start a conversation with me in the dms and that's how conversations and collaborations and you know ultimately like sales happen Right. But in a way that feels really authentic and and really nourishing. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who is in that process of kind of like trying to work out what to write, is struggling to kind of find the words, um, to connect with people that they want to serve? And um, yeah, what would be your kind of guidance there for them? Yeah. I mean, I think I would definitely say, like, let it be really messy and scrappy because... um, (laughs) I think I was like in that perfectionist bubble for like a really long time and you know and just just let it be really uncomfortable and let yourself put something up that uh, you immediately want to take down like we've all been there and it's okay it's part of the process um and I think again it really just comes back to tell your story tell stories you know through the history of humanity we have told stories and we've gathered round a fire and we've shared stories together and we've opened up each other's imaginations and we've inspired each other and allowed each other to dream through that right so just tell a story as it can be as simple as rudimentary as it it needs to be but just share just share your stories and don't even think about you know like how it needs to sound or whether you need to put a call to action in and all of that stuff, like just let it flow to begin with. Like, yeah, I think for a lot of like people who are starting out, it really is a case of just like, let's get over this like perfectionism thing. And let's just like teach your nervous system that it is safe to just put stuff out. Yes. I love that um yeah I think sometimes the hardest part is just starting and finding your rhythm and knowing what to write and yeah so let's talk a little bit about the pathways you know the work that you do so um starting with like yeah money healing um and yeah just I guess how you work with your clients in this way what sort of things come up um especially for women of color and how yeah you've learned to sort of navigate and support and hold them through it yeah and you know i think it's it's so funny isn't it because as entrepreneurs obviously our entire business is driven by this idea of like money essentially you know we do it so that we can make a living so that we can earn money and yet we never well a lot of the time we don't really dig into what our actual dynamic with money is right and like the truth is, is that um, money, you have a relationship with money, just like you have a relationship with people in your life. And the only difference is, is that money can't speak back to you, like in words, it doesn't speak in in like, you know, the English language, it speaks to you through the nervous system. And for many of us, we've grown up in societies where we are nervous systems have been taught that it is not safe to be around money that we need to be on high alert with money. And we've been fed these kind of survival stories about money, right? Like, you know, some really common ones that I see with women of colour in particular are um, you need to work really, really hard in order just to make a little bit of money, right? In this real sense of like hustle culture, or it's not safe for you to show up authentically and make money. And this is so true for especially um, those who come from immigrant backgrounds, because they witnessed their families coming to a country that was often a country that had historically colonized their native land and they needed to learn how to fit in right and to actually assimilate to a culture that had that had historically been quite hostile to them and in doing so they need to kind of wear the clothes of that culture they need to speak the language of that culture they need to do whatever they needed to do to be approved of by that culture. And and that's a patterning that still lives within the nervous systems of a lot of of women of color, especially who come from like families of of immigration, of immigrants, right? And so when we come to this space as entrepreneurs and we're wanting to show up online and we're hearing these coaches say like, be authentic, show up online, you know, do the marketing, get out there actually that lands in our nervous systems in a very different way and there's a certain level of kind of depth of healing that needs to happen there right um and you know i mean our relationship with money is is also deeply ancestral right our ancestors had different relationships with money too and again for a lot of women of color that looks like a history of colonialism of slavery of exploitation of being stolen from right and a pattern that i see a lot with women of color is is they have this kind of urge to give away their money right whether it's to their family or whether it's kind of impulsive spending they have this urge to kind of like throw their money back out like almost vomit it back out because it doesn't feel safe it doesn't feel safe to hold something When our nervous system learned that being in proximity to money also meant being in proximity to things like colonialism and slavery and exploitation, right? And so, you know, it it goes really, really deep. And actually, so much of this work is about going into our bodies and really listening to our bodies around how, how it is sitting with money, how it is meeting money. And beginning to actually rewire some of that stuff and unlearn some of that stuff and learn how to kind of be in proximity to money, right? Prime example, right? I'm talking to you. I have like a pile of cash sitting on my desk. And I do this because when I first started doing this work, I had no idea until I took out a 20 pound note and I put it on my table And I felt into my body and my body was on high alert. It felt so unsafe being in the same room as money. So unsafe. It wanted to run away. It just felt like this thing was like threatening, like it was like a predator, right? And so actually really leaning into that process of like, okay, like, can I sit with the money? Can I stay with it? Can I really begin to like reshape this relationship? And in doing so, heal all of the kind of ancestral woundings that that have come along with it amazing And so um actually a lot of i'm assuming that a lot of the work that you do with clients is about rewiring or, or you know or tending to the nervous system yes yes a hundred percent and you know another a really important part of that is surrounds like hustle culture and you know i think this is something all entrepreneurs can relate to right we we begin a business so that we can kind of be free and, um, you know, be the boss of our own lives, and we end up kind of falling into this pattern of being an employee again, um, to ourselves, and and that's internalized capitalism that we've all learned, you know, to some extent. Um, and so, so much of money healing is also about learning how to rest, how to pause how to um, move through cycles where we actually honour um, space so that we can actually allow for, like, creativity to come in. Um, and the truth is, like, our brains do not have the capacity to do courageous things without rest, right? And as an entrepreneur, we need to be courageous and we need to be creative. Um, so, yeah, the the money healing work is, is really all about Nervous system rewiring, nervous system healing um, and feeling safe enough to, to actually just like consciously shape our days in a way that's going to nourish our bodies as well as our planet and other people. Yeah, so, so true, isn't it? Yeah. Learning to work through that conditioning of what we've been taught equal success or money or you know having to really repaint that picture and um it's quite courageous to 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 do that yeah. yeah to choose to do that so um two questions I have the first is um what is your relationship now kind of like with your parents and, and grandparents if they're still around and uh, do do they see how do they interpret the work that you do or what's their reaction to it and um, I'd love to hear how that is and then can we go on to talk about the archetypes because I know you you use archetypes in in your work so yeah well this is so funny it's so funny that you asked that question Libby because this has been coming up in a lot of conversations this week where um I think it is is very true for so many of us that in order to do the ancestral healing work we actually do need to distance ourselves from our family you know that that is a part of the process and so um it was important for me to actually move away from my family and find space so that i could begin to move through this um but now i'm definitely back in a place where i can go back to them and feel so much more able to authentically express myself and um you know i think a lot of women of color could can relate to this like we grew up in households where expression of love was like seen as um dysfunctional. Like if you said, I love you to your mum, she would reply being like, are you okay? What's wrong? You know, like it was just see like kind of emotional expression was not really um accepted and welcomed. Um, but having moved through this process, I'm able to like go back to my family and begin to connect with them more emotionally and at a level that they're actually um that we've not connected before and in a way that they're actually kind of receptive and open to it you know and the really beautiful thing is every time I see my family more and more ancestral stories come to light and we have this relationship now where they tell me about my history they tell me about our ancestral history whereas before that was simply just not there it was kind of covered up and hidden away so that has been a, a really beautiful part of this like most of my family still don't really understand what I do to be honest like they just don't get it so and I'm not gonna I just don't I've stopped trying <laughs> to explain what this is Oh, amazing yeah I'm like in some ways I feel the same it's, it's a little bit of a weird thing I think in the kind of coaching industry <laughs> it's they're so used to you know conventional nine to five jobs and um I know yeah perhaps feel challenged when you know you don't follow that path or that route and it brings stuff up in them and then yeah it's yeah it can be tricky navigating that yeah and they're like what do you mean you put something up online and somebody paid you thousands like what does that mean are you like are you is this some form of like a pyramid scheme or like (laughs) yeah 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 interesting gosh okay so let's yeah let's dive into the archetypes because I know you use tell us a little bit about the archetypes um that you use and how it kind of comes to life in your work and yeah yeah so yeah, the, the wounded money archetypes are um, basically these these kind of models, um, these, these archetypes that I sort of developed working with women of colour and looking at my own history. And they're really a way for us to just begin to understand our current relationship with money and to begin to understand why we may be um behaving with money in a certain way, right? Because I think for a lot of us, there's a lot of shame wrapped around like how we are with money, right? Like if we avoid our bank account, for example, we feel really ashamed about it. And we think we're the only one that's doing it. And I think especially as entrepreneurs, we think we need to have it all together and that we should have this whole money thing figured out. And um it's just not the case. Like we all we all have these these wounds playing out in some form or another. and so these wounds are really shaped out of like um, our nervous system, seeing money as unsafe and then playing out certain behaviors to try and protect us. And then those behaviors keep being repeated. And that turns into um, its own kind of personality, right? Its own kind of um, archetype with money. So there are five archetypes that I um that I kind of move through with my clients in terms of exploring how it plays out in our lives. Um, So the first one is what I call the anxious hoarder. So this is an archetype where we we have a relationship with money that's very anxiously attached, right? We need to hold onto it and we need to grab onto it and not let it go because it feels really unsafe to let go of our money. And so what this can often look like is um, building up lots and lots of savings in our bank accounts. And obviously savings are great, like, I, you know, um, but there's a certain energy to kind of where it turns into hoarding. Right. And we're actually and I did this throughout like a lot of my 20s. I would build up all of this money in my bank account. It was actually losing value because of inflation but i was holding on to it because it didn't feel safe for me to let go right it didn't feel safe for me to spend on myself to invest in myself i often felt guilty anytime i spent any amount of money on myself and i just had this feeling of like i need to like board in and like buckle up and um hold on to it all so that's the kind of anxious holder archetype um the next one is the money avoider so this is kind of it goes on the, the opposite side of things where we have an avoidant relationship with money, right? So we avoid looking at our bank account. Um, we may get handed a receipt and we'll just instantly throw it away and not even want to look at it. Or we may even just not, not look at it at all. Um, and if we do have money, say you have like 20 pounds in your wallet, you will get to the end of the day and it will be gone and you don't even know how it happened right like you know you walk into a shop and impulsively spend your money because it doesn't feel safe to hold it so of people who have an avoidant archetype playing out it can feel safe to receive money but it doesn't feel safe to actually hold it and so they tend to kind of throw it back out into the world right they avoid being with it and um again, this is an archetype that plays out for, for all of us in some ways, where I notice it most for myself when I actually make money. So when I receive a payment from a client, or I yeah, I have some money coming in, I notice that it becomes harder for me to actually go online and look at my bank account. Which is a strange thing, because you would think if you knew that money was coming in that you'd feel safer with it. But actually, it's because what we're really needing to tend to is how safe we feel to hold the money, not receive it. Okay, so you can simultaneously have the avoidant and the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, all of these archetypes, like I really believe that we, we have all of them inside of us, but they will tend to kind of come up at different situations in our lives, right? So um, I may go out and like have like a binge shopping um, spree And at that point, my anxious tendency may come up where I'm suddenly like, I've spent all this money. Now I need to hold on to the rest of it. Right. And then I may have somebody send me some money and actually my avoidant personality comes out because I don't want to kind of look at it because it feels really scary to hold this, you know, and what it may mean. Right. Um, So the next archetype is what I call the dutiful daughter. And it doesn't have to be daughter, it can be mother, it can be son, it can be any kind of role. Um, and this is basically, this This tends to manifest for a lot of, of women of colour, especially where they feel an obligation to look after their family. And a pattern that will often emerge is that they are paying for their family. They may have lots of dependents, like kind of people depending upon them to pay for them. And they may have a pattern where they're kind of repeatedly giving away their money to other people, right? And what this really comes from is a kind of more people-pleasing tendency and a desire to, um, like, be approved of and be loved by, like, actually violating our own boundaries and giving people what they want, even when it may be to our own detriment, Right. And another way this can show up is that we is like the tendency to to work, work, work and think I need to work harder and harder and harder to make more money so that I can be approved of and loved more. Um, and yeah, that again, that can play out for all of us. Right. Especially as entrepreneurs, this idea of like, I need to go online, I need to be approved, I need external validation. Um, and all of that's kind of rooted in this this archetype. Um, The next one is the money shunner. So the money shunner is one that I see very commonly in healers, especially, and those who come from the spiritual world and spiritual backgrounds, where we may have imbibed this story that um, money is not spiritual, and that actually we should be giving away our services for free, and actually asking for money and charging um, means that you're greedy and that you're a bad person right and so the patterns that play out with this undercharging giving away things for free um often talking badly about money or talking badly about people who have money um saying you know rich people are evil and and those are all narratives that many of us grew up with right and there are also narratives that we see a lot in the media like if you if you think about all the films about rich people like how many of those rich people were pos- like portrayed in a positive way right and you know i really believe like our culture um in some ways does intentionally implant this archetype within us because it's because actually money is power right it is autonomy and um there are many reasons for why um, certain authorities and um governing bodies may not want us to actually seek that out. And so the, the the most effective way to do that is to um implant this story in us that is evil, essentially, right? Um, and then the final one is the underdog. So this is a really interesting one, and I think um one that can be very subtle, where we actually believe that we don't. Our identity is not that of a wealthy person, and that we don't belong in spaces of wealth. And so often with this archetype, there is um the, there are a lot of narratives around belonging and feeling left out, feeling left behind, feeling like um, we don't deserve to kind of claim wealth. Right? Um, and This one can play out a lot in terms of like um, maybe you come from a rich family, but you felt alienated being within that space. And so you separated from that. But in doing so, you also like form this narrative that. Um, being in relationship with money means being in relationship with those kinds of people or in those kinds of environments therefore I can't be in relationship with money I need to stay away from money I don't I'm not a wealthy person I cannot be a wealthy person. Wow so interesting and I can kind of see how it it could apply to all really because it's so I mean money is everywhere and yeah we we all have to deal with it right so yes 100% and I think on the entrepreneurship journey especially like all of these archetypes will play up and we have we have to face them we have to we have to compassionately meet them because they are trying to protect us like from this space of thinking that money is a threat and so we do really need to, um, you know, if we don't want to end up burning ourselves out or being in a space where we hate our own businesses, we we need to meet these these wounds. Yes, yeah, I think it's courageous work to kind of work through, yeah, to do money healing. Yeah, and you know, I think I think Livy, a lot of people think that money healing is about making more money, and like the truth is, is that when you do heal money, you you like most people do start making more money. But actually, it's really about becoming, coming into acceptance with the money that you have already, if even if that's a tenner in the bank account, or it's, you know, 10 million, whatever it is, like, we need, we need to be in good relationship with the money we have already, to then be able to, like, build upon it in a, in a healthy way, right? So will you talk to us finally about, like, how you support your clients to kind of do this? And? what services that you have um yeah share, share that with us cause I'm sure many people will be intrigued by um yeah your work and want to hear more yeah sure so as a fourth line I am big on one-to-one work um so my most sacred container is called BIPOC and Bountiful and this is for women of color entrepreneurs um It's a one-to-one coaching container and it's either four or six months long. And this is where I really work very closely with my clients through those specific pathways of money healing and legacy articulation. Um, And so, yeah, that's that's one of my containers um, that I work with clients through. And something else that I am just launching, which is really exciting, is Saffron, which is my money healing program for women of color entrepreneurs. And so this is really for women of color who are ready to step into a more peaceful and prosperous paradigm with money and to allow their relationship with money to finally benefit their business rather than being at odds with it. Wow, sounds incredible. And so is it for any stage of entrepreneurship? Is it um all types of entrepreneurs? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an eight-week um long program. Um and it is for any women of color who are at any stage of their business. Um, because the truth is like we can start doing the money healing work at any point right like whether you are literally just starting out or you've been in you've got a seven-figure business going like we all need the money healing work and and so everyone is welcome within that space and we we kind of take it from there incredible wow um, I've no doubt that they will be an absolute success as they sound yeah so good and so needed um so yeah thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom with us Thank you, Libby. It's been such a joy. I just, it makes my manifesto heart so happy to be able to speak. <laughs> yeah, and you do it so, yeah, so well, articulate so well. And yeah, it's lovely to chat to you for hours, I'm sure. And I'm sure, yeah, maybe we'll do a part two in the next series. Um. Oh my goodness, I would love that so much. Yeah, that would be amazing. So, yeah, tell me is your handle and yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone would like to connect more, um, even it's just if it's just to speak about money or to work with me, uh, my Instagram handle is at sacred.weaver and that's the best place to to find me. And just tell us quickly why um why is it sacred weaver? Oh, such a good question. Well, so I started off reading tarot, right? And um, the way I understand tarot is that each card is like a thread. And so when you do a reading, you're basically weaving a tapestry with all these different strings, all these different threads. Um, So that's really originally where the name came from. But actually, it's kind of evolved in terms of the nervous system healing work. And understanding that our nervous systems are all these different kind of tapestries laid up upon each other. And so when we, um, when we learn how to kind of pull one string away, we actually allow whole patternings and woundings to come apart, um, whole conditionings to come apart just from pulling at one string. Um, and so that's kind of really where the name has, has evolved as well. Amazing, I love that, I love that. And just so actually, finally, um, I asked all of my guests what are really just quick fire um two or three things that you would say to anyone who's trying to build a personal brand online as a coach as a healer um as a mentor what would be your guidance um my my guidance would be orient to community start start connecting start having conversations understand that the more and more connections you make the more and more abundance and wealth you will bring to your business regardless of where you're at in at, in your business that's such a fourth line thing isn't it, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. build your community connect with people yeah I love it <laughs> yeah definitely I mean it's such what people say it's like it's not who you know it's what you know yeah collaboration as well the power of collaboration oh my goodness yes amazing brilliant okay thank you so 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 much we will I'm sure we'll be in touch I really appreciate your time today and yeah sharing sharing with us so it's been a pleasure thank you so much Libby